Welcome to the session. There was once an individual who said, there's peer pressure, but there's also peer priority. Gee, where have I heard that before? <laughs> where faith and life connect. I think I just heard a whole bunch of people yell amen. <laughs> yeah, hallelujah, I hope so. A time to explore issues facing the family today. Marriage is about what can I look at inside of me and take care of in me to offer to my spouse a better me. And where it's okay to laugh a little. It is so good to hear you say that, to hear someone else preach that message. It is. Well, again, for years, I've heard you preach it. <laughs> yes. It's finally soaking in. <laughs> yes, the celebration of success. <laughs> Welcome to the session on Rise FM. And it is time for Faith and Life to connect here on the session. I'm Scott Saunders here with the King of the Cranium, Tom Russell, our life coach, is in the house today. And we're going to tackle another tough topic today. Yes. We're, we're going to talk about what Tom calls the Bedroom Olympics. <laughs> so if this is something um, that you don't want young ears to hear, right. distract them for about 25 minutes and we'll get through it. And remember, you can always catch up on episodes on the podcast network at risefmohio.com. So, Tom, before we dive into this, we'd probably better go into God's Word first. Let's go to John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So if he can impact a person who's been abused and to think that God is not there, then in his mind he thinks he has victory. And a fear. Yeah. If if it creates a fear. Right. And that's kind of the topic today, fear of intimacy. And this was another topic actually suggested by Teresa. Right. So, Teresa, thank you. You've uh, Tom and I have been in a lot of discussions about this this week. Absolutely. A lot of email, a lot of texting back and forth about what to talk about. And we're going to try and cover a fear of intimacy in several different directions. Hopefully it'll all tie together and we can put a nice little bow on it by the time we get done today. So, Tom, as we jump in here, we're going to start with information from Focus on the Family. So let's go ahead and crack that open. Scott, so according to the National Sexual Violence and Resource Center, one in every three women and one in six men have experienced some form of contact and sexual violence in their lifetime in the U.S. 81%, Scott, of women and 35% of men report significant short or long-term impacts such as post-traumatic stress disorder. It's often known as PTSD. Okay, now you're trying to put PTSD and sex together, Tom. Right. I'm having a hard time putting those two together, but I guess in a, we're talking about extreme cases of rape or some a real violent act, I right. assume. Well, I, I can put it real simple for you, Scott, and then it'll make a whole lot of sense to oh, you. Oh, boy. Yeah, here we go. So the abuser controls the abused, the victim, with you say anything, I've got this gun right here. Now all of a sudden, not only is it sexual abuse, but this poor victim has been threatened with their life if they say anything. That's going to cause PTSD. Yeah, okay. All right. Thank you for covering that for me. Absolutely. Okay. So now, as we look at this fear of intimacy that could be caused by several different things, we're kind of focused on just generally in, on, on violence right now, sexual abuse right now, but there are some obvious lies from the enemy that we see here. The lies, Scott, in general, 
from square one with Adam and Eve in the garden, our world became a fallen and damaged world because of lies. That's how powerful they are. I just want to put that in perspective. The abuse convinces themselves it's their fault. That's a lie. Like, I must have done something wrong here. You brought this on yourself. Somehow. I've done something there. They see themselves as bad and unredeemable. It, you know, over my whole career, Scott, I would always ask this question, and I never really got the same answer. Some women would say, I felt dirty. I would say, what does that mean? What's that look like? And basically, that's what they would come up with, was that they were bad and unredeemable. So they would be able to be in, as an example, a classroom. They might be in a church service. And they would think, these people here are good people, and they don't know how bad I am and how dirty I am because of what's been going on in my life. See, that's that Matthew West song. Yeah, the line number one, everybody's life is perfect except yours. Yeah. Everybody in the church has it totally figured out except for you. (laughs) You failure, you. And you know how many people are having that same lie in that church service? And they're believing it right now. Yes. All right, so the next thing is rehearsing the abuse during intimacy and anxiety symptoms. All right, unpack that for me a little bit. What are we talking about? Okay, so experiencing flashbacks, Scott— especially during intimacy, is to suffer through an angst or or during a sacred moment that should be enjoyed. Often the spouse who is not experiencing the anxiety symptoms does not realize that his or her spouse is not fully engaged in the intimacy. Oh, okay. So this is the, I was abused when I was 14, Now I'm 24 and I'm married and and I'm thinking, oh, great, this is all behind me. And something your spouse does triggers a a remembrance of that. Yeah, it could be something as simple as how he or she caressed the victim. And it, it can trigger it. Okay. Well, we just read that this should be a sacred moment. Uh, Dr. Wheat, putting it one way in his, his book, Intended for Pleasure, talked about it as it's like entering the Holy of Holies. It is a very sacred and spiritual experience when it's lovemaking and not sex. Lovemaking being the intertwining of two souls, sex being the intertwining of two bodies. Two very different things. And, and that's what makes it so powerful. And so as a sacred as it, as it is, it's another form of oneness, husband and wife, before our God, because it's that sacred. That's what God intended. When you take our children and our teens, and the way they are uh, looking at it, it's like almost a rite of passage. It's almost like I, I, I have to do this, but it's, it's not about the whole emotional connection about the sacredness of it because it's not in God's will, number one. And number two, they have never experienced it before. It's just about being able to say, yeah, I've done it. Somebody's pretty crushed by it. Oftentimes the girl is crushed by it. They both carry an incredible amount of guilt. Yeah, it's really, really sad at that point. All right, so we're, we're talking about a fear of intimacy today and the kind of things that, well, it's kind of the kickback you know, of previous events that can impact you during 
in, in intimacy with your with your spouse. I think we've talked a little bit about reliving the traumatic experience. It could be a word that is spoken, a touch that is done, or you know some other form of it during during intimacy in in the bedroom Olympics. What else would you want to unpack with that, Tom? What have you seen in session with people over the years? The whole idea of intimacy is it's a very precious and fragile time. Now, bless our wife's heart. Because they have the ability to multitask and their brains are designed that way, right in the middle, in enjoying what has been given to them by God, they're capable of saying, Who's picking up Brent in the morning? <laughs> Did I get out what the kids are wearing for school? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so my point is this, that that breaks that special moment in, in the intimacy and in, in the mood that has been set there in the spirit that you have. We want to be really careful to be in the moment with them, even though some of us are capable of being in the moment in three other moments. <laughs> Now, here's this is here's your rabbit trail. Good. The, a fear of intimacy is this more a female thing or a male thing, or is it kind of universal across the sexes? Well, great question. I think predominantly in history it was more female driven, and then even more so today, it has grown to a point that there are husbands who have had reasons in their own history where there's a fear of intimacy there too. They have experienced abuse. They also may have experienced, not everybody, but but a, a growing portion of them may have experienced pornography. And, you know, that that kind of thing, they don't want to get too close emotionally because their partner, their spouse could find that out. Here's your second rabbit trail. Over the previous years, now when you and I were growing up, right. it was pretty much, you know, backseat of the dad, Chevy, going mm. to the drive-in movies. You know, yeah. I keep thinking of happy days for some reason. <laughs> um, but today now we're dealing with date rape, the homosexual experience, and now we're dealing with the trans experience. Mm-hmm. And people are coming out of those movements returning to Christ or turning to Christ out of those movements, can those experiences also trigger a trauma kind of thing or a fear of, am I going to revert back to being gay if I yeah. do this with my wife? Is that, right. Am I going to be able to do this right? Well, there, and there's all kinds of doubts flying around in that scenario. And who's the doubter? Who's the one who creates the doubt? There's where the the enemy attacks. I am convinced that in if there's a a top three to five ways the enemy attacks us, he certainly attacks us in the whole sexual experience on the battlefield of the mind. But I want to say, Scott, this is really important to me. I think when we think about God existing, was it clearly by accident that? We need oxygen to be alive, and there's oxygen in our, in our atmosphere. Oh, and by the way, we have two lungs that will receive that oxygen. That was all by fluke and by accident. Now watch where this goes. No, I don't believe that was an accident. 
But didn't God say in his word that I want you to go out and populate the earth? His desire, it appears to me, was he wanted people to to love him. He wanted more people to love him. So he creates this beautiful way that we can uh, create more people to love him. So that's why he designed the male the way he did, the female the way she is. And so how has the enemy taken that and run with it? And it's just so sad and sick. There's something so precious and so intimate with God that has been blown clear out of the water. It's really important that we remember one of the parts of the enemy, Satan himself, He's going to tempt us, but he's not going to tell us what's going to happen after you fall for the temptation. Right. The consequences are not going to be described for you laid out right there for you to understand. Right. And so this is also important as we have this conversation about spiritual warfare, that temptation, folks like Rick Warren come out very strongly and say that because it's a fallen and damaged world, there will be temptation. That just because you have a temptation is not sin until you act, act on it. it. So it's the decision to act on it that becomes sin. Let's kind of turn the page some other issues, Tom, that may lead to this fear of intimacy. Let's say you have not, and you go into your marriage as virgins. You know, you think this is going to be something to really enjoy, but then there are fears that the right. enemy will give us, a fear of... Have you had anybody come before you and say, well, you know what? I, I was just afraid it would just be uncomfortable. It'd be painful. Yes, definitely. Medical as well as psychological issues that take place there. The muscles associated around the female organ will cramp. So any activity there will create pain. In session with someone, how do you overcome some some of these fears that come up? Well, I'm glad you asked, Scott, because I'm sure there are people— <laughs> I wasn't quite sure from that look I just got. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a direct link between what we think—you've heard this before. Okay. And what we feel, and it's our feelings then that drive what we do. So we're thinking this is going to be painful. Our emotions, our fear setting in, anxiety setting in. Now this really is an issue. And so I guess for the the newlyweds out there, for those who may be struggling in marriage with that issue, it may also suggest, if we go back to one of my favorite phrases, the bedroom Olympics, Okay, is that we want to have what I like to call some opening ceremonies that are very relaxing so that the tension isn't there. You know, if some of them have come from a very stressful situation with one of the children, whether it be work, their their favorite basketball team got thumped again. <laughs> okay, that one's mine. That's... <laughs> then, And they want to go right into the, the Olympics there's really been no opening ceremonies that helps anybody relax. The genitals on the female are tight. They're um, 
flexed and, and maybe bordering on cramping, it's not going to be pleasurable. Not going to be enjoyable for anybody concerned. Right. Yeah. Right. I was the first class in our high school in Battle Creek to go through what we now know as sex ed. Okay. And it was an entire school year of nothing but here's how your body works, guys. Here's how your body works, girls. Here's what happens when they come together. Here are some of the problems that can happen. Right. And we're all sitting in this class together. (laughs) And we're looking at each other like, what? (laughs) And, you know, now uh, the sex ed is taught usually separate by sexes. Along with that is what maybe the paradigm of what may have been taught by a parent. Now, Johnny, here's how, here's what sex is. And so when it comes across as it's a guilt thing, this is a bad boy thing, and they're in their developmental, emotional developmental years, then that can carry over into their teens when they begin to develop their identity. And it's possible that they can view that as very unhealthy, that this is not good. And you're a bad person if you do it. I have to do this, but I don't really think I'm going to like it. Yeah, and if anybody found out I was a bad boy. Now, I'm saying that in the context of Christian marriage. Right. We, yeah, the assumption here is that we're dealing with a couple of believers. Yes. So tell me about, you've got a note here called the fear of associated guilt. All right, unpack All right. that for me real quick here. We just got a couple of minutes left. Oh, uh-oh, then we better hurry. Right. Uh, fear of associated guilt. We tend to associate things in the here and now. It's almost like the trigger. We have a fear of associated guilt. When my husband and I or my wife and I do make love, here's the problem, is I associate that with the guilt I felt when I was told, this is not right, this is wrong. That's what I was taught. It's kind of that Victorian kind of thinking that this is my body, and these are, I think some generations ago, they used the term privates. Uh-huh. It's private for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you do- well, that's yeah, that's the thing. I've sometimes wondered if we're told for so long, this is bad, this is bad, nobody touches you, nobody touches yeah. you here or there. Well, now all of a sudden you're getting married and it's a free-for-all? There can be some brain gears that strip at that happening so fast. Yeah, absolutely. The clutch is burned out on that one, too. It's, it really is. And here's what's something that should be so wonderful. How about the couple who waited until their wedding night? But they had such associated guilt that they never thought would happen that their wedding night isn't what it could have been because of it. So it becomes how do we approach uh, sex with our kids? How do we handle it? Do we let the school just teach sex ed? That's very scary in a lot of cases right now. Especially right now. But it also leans into what you do and what we're going to talk about on the session here uh, not too long from now with your premarital program called Prepare. Now, can you give us like a 30-second nutshell of what Prepare does? In the clinical world, we keep things really simple, Scott. (laughs) Prepare, it prepares you for marriage. Ah, yeah. Yeah, imagine that. That's so easy, even a Big Ten guy can understand it. (laughs) Yeah. So in history, Prepare would go through 15 key areas 
of the relationship and report with 85 to 88% accuracy. One of those sections is intimacy or, or sex. And some of the questions are, that they'll survey the couple with, has there been any past abuse? And so when we can talk about that together and the victim feels safe with their potential spouse here, then that's one of the intimacies, what I, I call it the five-cylinder intimacy engine of marriage, that intimacy runs on five cylinders, not just one that most <laughs> That men, most guys handle? Yeah, you got to be kidding. <laughs> that they end up having a better opportunity to grow because one of those five is emotional intimacy. So when I can trust the person I'm about to marry— I may be more open to be able to share this is what's happening, which is critically important because then the potential spouse knows what landmines to stay away from that could create a trigger that would ruin that intimate, holy of holies, very sacred experience that our God intended it to be. So, And it gives you an opportunity in the, with, in the safety of that setting to maybe help that person deal with that issue maybe be able to let it go so that, so that the experience between the two of them is more intimate and more special. And boy, that's really, really important. So we will be talking about prepare shortly here on the session. Let's leave them today, Tom, with a verse of scripture just to kind of go with this out of Ephesians 5.28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And it's a verse that can bring peace maybe Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're having self-esteem issues, you know, Eeyore, <laughs> this this says to something that Eeyore needs to remember. you got to love yourself before you can love someone else. That's true. God created Eeyore. Go ahead. <laughs> he created, God created Scott. <laughs> because he loved him. There's a couple of last things that I want to share here, Tom, out of your helps list here. We really got to fly through these, but share these memories with your spouse. Maybe you're already married and you've kind of been just holding this back. One, share these memories with your spouse. And be open and honest with your husband or wife about those feelings, Scott. Sharing your feelings can build trust, which can facilitate intimacy. Trust is huge. And then journal your feelings. We have talked about journaling a lot in the last month or so. Journaling, Scott can be a safe way to express your feelings. It can be healing to write to a person in your memory who was hurt. It also is true that healing, that if you have the person who was hurt inside of you, write to the person that is in the here and now. So basically that hurt person inside from history, that little girl or boy who was hurt, would write and tell the person sitting on the couch, what it was like back then, because that emotional self could be fixated or frozen in time back when it happened. If it's never been treated, that's very, very real. So when they share, it can cause that emotional self, when they feel safe, accepted, approved of, and respected, They feel safe enough then to grow, and they'll catch up with the person in the here and now. It's under the philosophy or the thinking of we are a physical person, 
We are an emotional person. We are a mental person. And we are a spiritual person. So the emotional person is not where they should be. Now, the other thing that's probably important here, if you're hearing this and you're thinking, yeah, that's stuff I've got to do, sitting down with a life coach, someone Mm -hmm. that knows how to help negotiate, navigate those emotions, those feelings, can be beneficial. How can they start a conversation with Life Coach Tom? Well, and Scott, I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com and tom.hccm at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us for this session. You can listen to previous episodes on the podcast network at risefmohio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more about Tom Russell at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com.